Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 265 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is April 1st, 2013. We've got a very special show for you on the podcast. We have some unfortunate news. Uh, this will be our very last episode of the Peristyle Podcast. We're going to get into the reasons in a little bit, but a five-year run we had on the show. We really appreciate all you guys listening over the years. Uh, you can still send us your feedback, podcast at uscfootball.com. That email address will work for the next week or so, podcast at uscfootball.com. Uh, we're going to talk about the USC scrimmage with Dan Weber a little bit later on in the show. we got Coach Harvey Hyde uh, coming up as well in this very first segment. And uh, Coach Harvey Hyde has a little bit of announcement. It hasn't been announced yet, but he can kind of tell you a little bit about what's going on with him and with him moving on and uh, the resources it takes to do the show. It, it just We made a business decision that you know, it was a great five-year run, uh, but that's going to be it for the Peristyle Podcast. We will still be covering USC on uscfootball.com. You can still follow us at Inside Troy on Twitter. But uh, as far as the podcasts go, unfortunately, we are not going to be doing the Peristyle podcast anymore. But I want to welcome in Coach Harvey Hyde for the last show on the Peristyle podcast. 265 episodes. Coach, that's not too bad. Ryan, baby. <laughs> it's gone fast. It's been tremendous to be able to be with you and uscfootball.com and your staff. I had a great time sitting with all of you on Saturday at the scrimmage and I want to thank you and your staff for the number of years we've worked together, and it's been years that we've been able to sit back and talk USC football, and I think a lot of it uh, is due to you and your staff that I did have an opportunity where we've had listeners out there that have listened our, to our, our broadcast, podcast, and and uh, I don't know, things just happen. I started with you as a two-star <laughs> At Rivals 2-star, then all of a sudden I became a 3-star, 4-star. And I think someone uh, bought off somebody when they said I'm a 5-star. So nice. Who, know, who knows what's going to happen? But, you know, a verbal commit really doesn't mean, mean much today. <laughs> so, you know, when I verbal commit to something, until that national letter of intent comes in front of you, I'm still free to go anywhere I want, right? Okay? You are, you are a free. <laughs> You're, we have to get Gerard and give some analysis here about your star status and all of that, Coach. But we do wish you the best of luck. I'm sure you know once you announce it, I'm sure it's going to be great uh, once all the paperwork and stuff is signed. But we really we do appreciate you coming on, Coach. Oh, it's been fun, I tell you. And I've enjoyed meeting all the parents and the listeners and speaking at different uh, Trojan clubs and other events. It's it's absolutely fantastic. And I, I don't want to say I'm done forever, Ryan. I'm just I just can't do it all, and this is a great opportunity, as you've agreed. And uh, I just got to uh, sort of take advantage of things that that happen. And uh, I want to thank you and your staff for really, really being a part of it. All right, thank you, too. And uh, we want to thank our sponsor for the last show, Southern California Tickets. You can go to sctickets.com or give them a call at 1-800-888-7287. It is opening day in baseball. You want tickets for that. Uh, the Angels will be coming back into town. They're on the road at Cincinnati now, but the Dodgers are home against the Giants. Lots of baseball and stuff coming up, of course. Basketball playoffs and all that. So you can go to sctickets.com and and they will hook you up. And Coach, um, we do want to talk about, you know, we still have a show to do, and I, there's a lot going on with USC Spring Football. You were out there at the scrimmage uh, on Saturday. We have some questions to get to, but before we do those, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on what you thought uh, from the scrimmage. You got to see all three quarterbacks. Uh, ran through about 52 plays, and, 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 you know, get your take on what you saw. Well, I don't want to do the whole show on what I saw, okay? No, certainly Because I could, I, Ryan, <laughs> you could go have lunch and then come back, and I'd still be talking, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, but uh, it, I enjoyed it. Uh, it was a, a long uh, morning and afternoon. Actually, there was a practice for an hour and a half before they even got to the scrimmage. They practiced from 11 
to 12.30 and their normal drills, seven-on-seven and all the different drills that they did. And they featured the Oklahoma drill just before they went to the scrimmage. And a lot of people say, Oklahoma drill, what does that mean? Well, Barry Switzer, when he was at Oklahoma, had the one-on-one with a back behind it, and it became the name Oklahoma drill. And uh, we all copycat, as coaches do, and we all put that into our offense. And it's a toughness type of drill where you teach the offensive lineman to drive off the football and the back runs between, you know, you have just a five-yard piece of, uh, of, of field that the, the defensive lineman has to cover. He can't cover the whole field. And the back must run inside or outside of it. And I saw that as he added another part of it, which is the coverage drill, which puts uh, a defensive uh, back on a receiver out there uh, stock blocking him, which isn't really a fair block for the receiver because there's no threat of a pass whatsoever. So the defensive back just comes in and charges <clears throat> into the receiver, basically gets tied up, and and uh, it's it's just uh, not an equal drill back there. But uh, it's a it's a drill that's basically used for spirit, morale, uh, toughness, and it gets the team fired up, and, and away you go. And they did that before the scrimmage. Uh, I thought it was a good drill. They haven't done that drill. I think someone I read it somewhere for three or four years and. I think they bring that back, and I think that's Coach Summers bringing that back, the offensive line coach, because I saw him working on the shoots earlier, and if you're a player that played out there in the offensive line, you know the shoots, and I've never seen SC do the shoots with their offensive line, uh, have linemen fire off the ball and move their feet and drive under a, a bar and, and block a bag or block a man even. So I saw them doing that, so that, that was good, seeing linemen get off the ball. I thought the the practice was spirited. I thought the uh, uh, defensive line, uh, again, uh, under Coach Orgeron, I said it last week, and I'm going to repeat it. He's having fun coaching. I love listening to him coach. He's my type of coach and defensive line coach where he gets after you, you know what, and uh, he's going to make you or break you. And in the defensive line, that's exactly what you need, that type of guy. Yet he loves his players, and I'm sure his players love him, I can tell. He really does a great job with them. Uh, as far as I watched the secondary, uh, I thought the secondary had the same type. I have the same type of feeling with the secondary as I did a week ago. When you play man coverage and you're, and you're, and you're playing man, straight man, and you don't get to the quarterback, and the quarterback has time to throw the football, you're going to get beat deep. They got beat, I think, two or three times in the scrimmage. The one was a nice pass from Kessler to Aguilar, and um, I don't want to say who it is, but the rookie corner that was in there, <laughs> he just got beat, and uh, that's going to happen. And you'd rather have it happen in practice and teach off the film than happen in a game. But uh, still, I have my uh, question marks on the corner position. I know Seymour's not practicing, but... You've got to have, you know, and I hate to say this, uh, Marcus Lee would be a great corner, because I really thought George Farmer had a good scrimmage. I'm liking George more and more every practice. He seems to be getting healthy. He, he's he, Everyone said that this is George year, and I've said it, George, you got to do it or get out. And he's starting to play like a football player. I see the brilliance in him. I see the speed in him. I see the desire of wanting to play. And uh, right now, I would think he's the third receiver, yet they have other great receivers that are out there. I like the receivers. I was very impressed with Grimble's blocking on that one-on-one drill. I didn't think the Xavier could block like that one-on-one. And I'm also impressed with Justin Davis, the rookie, as we used to call Terrell Davis when I coached him, the rookie with George Allen, but actually he's the freshman from up north in Stockton that came in. And Buck Allen has really been a different football player this spring. I think that he has grown up, and, 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 and I like both those backs. I would decide on which back is going to be the back, and he'd be the guy that carried the ball 30 times a game and was in there on pass plays. He'd learn how to pass block, and he'd never come out of the game, and he'd get the rhythm of the game. The offensive line, I thought, uh, is starting to play more as a unit. Uh, I think that it takes a long time to learn how to be tough and how to grind out yards, but I was happy again to see them rush the football a lot, uh, run on third downs, third and threes, third and fours, rather than pass the football. I didn't see many sideline passes, which I liked. The bubble screen, I think, in those type of plays, I saw one time. 
I saw seam routes. I did not see enough routes to the tight end. I don't know if that's on purpose or not. But I think one time during the scrimmage you asked me, Coach, what would you run on this play? And I said I'd run a post with a drag with the tight end. The post was there, but if they'd, if they'd had a drag on that play, the guy would have been wide open. Uh, so, you know, I'd like to see the tight end more into the passing game. I haven't seen that this spring that much as far as from a tight position. Uh, so uh, that's real quickly uh, what I saw. I think that in the spring, Leonard Williams is having a great spring. He's going to be a great player. Uh, I think that Pollard's going to be a great player. And uh, I don't want to single out anymore because they're all having a good spring. But uh, the question mark's still in the secondary. Offensive line, let's get a unit. Let's don't move these guys around any longer. We've got about, what, six six practices left. Uh, let's don't waste practices. Let's get a rhythm in the offensive line. Let's work goal line offense in the actual Coliseum situation and uh, get after it because it's coming to an end and then the real thing starts. Yeah, only two weeks of practice left. Um, so, yeah, it's, they're, they're winding down. There will be two more Coliseum scrimmages, of course, the big one on April 13th. Um, you did mention uh, Marquise Lee. You thought he'd be a great corner. We had a, a question, a voicemail question, about moving some people from different positions to cornerbacks. So I'm going to play that one for you now, Coach. Hi, this is Alan from Lagoon Miguel. Knowing that USC might be real weak, in the corner position, especially with the defense they're wanting to play, and trying to get your best athletes on the field. Uh, Nelson Aguilar, uh, we have plenty of good receivers, and he's one of the best. However, the people behind him aren't. Uh, they are very good as well. And I think he'd be a great corner. He's built for to be a corner. The other person that is a great athlete and not getting any time or much time is G- D.J. Morgan. And just to get the best players on, and D.J. Morgan is not going to play in the NFL as a running back anyway, so he might as a corner. Just my suggestions. Thank you very much. Bye. Well, I'll tell you, they're good suggestions. Thank you very much for calling. I've been saying this all along, and Ryan, you'll attest to this. You've got to have your best 22 players on the field. It doesn't do you any good to have two great players or three great players watching the game. And uh, a lot of things have changed since I coached. First of all, players don't want to move because of sometimes they're thinking of their NFL careers rather than the team feeling of winning and being in the right place to help the team. But I, I would agree, and I've said this all along, I, I I think SC made their biggest mistake when they let Lee play receiver. Not that he hadn't been a great player and an All-American and won the award and Blittenkopf award and everything else. Don't get me wrong. I I can see why he stays there. But if you had Aguilar, a player like Aguilar, and you, and you got him to believe, and you got Lee to believe that they're going to make just as much money as a corner, as they are as a receiver in the NFL, and probably more as much and go in the first round because they are those Deion Sanders type of players. It would be unbelievable. It really would be. But you have two shutdown corners now, shutdown corners with great speed. And they can't tell me those guys can't tackle because I saw Aguilar on the kickoff team the other day. Don't put him on the kickoff team covering kickoffs. I don't know if he's on the first kickoff team. I wouldn't have him on any kickoff team. But that's what they were doing as the outside guy, gunner guy, so or outside contained. So, uh, yes, and, and the way Farmer's coming along and the way some of these other receivers are, I think you'd be a better football team. Now, a lot of you out there are saying, you're crazy, Coach. How can you do that? Well, you don't want to get into scoring races. You know, last year you got into scoring races. You scored 36 points at Arizona and you lose. You score 50 points against Oregon, and you lose. I mean, you score against these teams, uh, you know, and you lose. So you got to play great defense to win championships, and you got to have your football players on the field. Now, I'm not saying it's those two, but it could be somebody. Not that Hawkins can't play and Seymour can't play and Sue Craven and Josh Shaw and Wright and Bowman, their safeties. But you got to have corners. Got to have corners to play man. 
Because if you don't break down, they got six points on you. And you saw that on Saturday in a couple of situations. So, and, and in one situation, I, I think it was Aguilar caught it or Blackwell caught it. The guy was covered pretty good, but he took the ball away from him. So uh, that's a very good suggestion from a football fan. And my thought is always to have your best players on the field, not watching. And uh, sometimes that's a difficult thing to do now because of outside influences, such as, uh, you know, the NFL, people you talk to away from USC football that think you're going to be a certain number in the draft choice and so on, where really uh, curtails what's best for the team. Good, good question. It was interesting because we were sitting there talking at the scrimmage, sitting in the Coliseum, and you were already mentioning that. Like, look, I mean, I, we were talking about the defensive scheme, and I liked the pressure that they were getting on the quarterback, and you were quick to point out. But if you don't get to the quarterback right away and you're playing man on the outside, you can get burned deep. And it, it looked like what that, that first play, that first big play, Cody Kessler was a quick three-step drop. I think pressure was coming, but there just wasn't enough time to get there. Um, and you had mentioned, you know, there's a, a freshman quarterback on Nelson Aguilar streaking down the right sideline. It was close, but, I mean, it, it was really a perfect pass. I heard someone from behind me say that was overthrown, and but, it, you know, it dropped out of the sky right into, you know, hit Nelson Aguilar in stride. It was a perfect pass, well-executed play by the offense, and, and went for like a 65-yard touchdown or wherever it was. So it wasn't too long after you pointed out the, the concerns of the defense where you're, you're playing more man and you have to, the corners have to play tight and, and play tough that you saw them get beat for a touchdown right away. And you'll see that every against every opponent. You'll see that every opponent when they come up there and they look out there. They can tell when you're a man and when you're coming, and they're going to just take three-step drops and throw the ball out there, slant routes depending where you line up where you're on the field and what route you're going to call, and you're going to challenge your corners. Just going to challenge them. And uh, you've got to have great coverage guys out there, so all of a sudden it's second and ten or third and ten because it's an incomplete pass. And when you throw the ball to a guy like Aguilar, I forget who was sitting next to me that made that comment, oh, that's overthrown. And I said, oh, no, he'll run right to it. And he did. He just ran right to it with his great speed, adjusted, looked over his shoulder and caught the football, and there's nothing you can do. So uh, that's a concern, but I saw a lot of positive things. I'm not going to just sit here this morning <laughs> on Monday and say that, you know, there weren't some things that were positive, negative. They were all, there were some positive things that happened out there. And uh, uh, you mentioned earlier the quarterbacks. Now, do we have a question on the quarterbacks? We don't, but I go ahead. If you want to comment on the quarterbacks, that, that's fine. Okay, good. Uh, in the quarterback situation, I say, first of all, it's good to see Max Whitting back. I thought he performed very well. He's now wearing two knee braces, so everybody knows which not which is not his bad knee. <laughs> and, and and not only that, it 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 lets you feel better than to just think of it mentally as you have a brace on one knee and your other knee is not as good as the other. No, no, you're doing that for protection and prevention of injuries. I thought Cody Kessler had a good day. Uh, I think that the Max Brown throws well. Uh, going to deep ball. I think right now he's a little bit behind the others because of experience. I think it's going to be a great, great competitive duel between Wittick and Kessler. Uh, right now I think Kessler's running with the ones more than Wittick is, but that's because he missed the week. But uh, uh, I think if they run the football a lot like they're doing, and they continually do that, and they don't change when the fall starts, that will really help the quarterbacks come along because it gives them a not all the pressure on them that they got to perform. They got to perform. And the receivers got to adjust and say, you're not going to catch 100 balls. You're not going to catch 100 balls, but we're going to win more football games. And not only that, when you catch 100 balls, the two guys that caught 100 balls are both banged up and dinged up. But they also returned kickoffs and some punts. And Woods is dinged up after his freshman year and had his ankle. And then Lee now is dinged up. A body can't take that kind of punishment over and over and over. And you've got other great receivers and tight ends and backs out there that can help relieve the pressure on you and become a better offensive football team. So I think the quarterbacks will be good as long as they stay 
with series, and I'll tell you this. I want to say this. I saw a quick trap, and you heard me say, a quick trap. Yes. I saw a quick trap, <laughs> and it went for about 10 yards, 12 yards. I said, that's the first quick trap I've seen at SC in years. And you start putting that type of stuff in, and you run it, and other things I see him working on, the Stanford power, and some of these uh, different types of blocking schemes, and that takes a lot of pressure off the quarterback. And it puts more pressure on the defense. And uh, this is what I've seen there this spring. Um, all right, we've got a couple other questions. Well, you did already mention that you want to see a lot of shakeup on the offensive line. Uh, Kevin in South OC had a question on the offensive line. He said, um, after Saturday's scrimmage, uh, they were moving forward with Marcus. It looks like they're moving forward with Marcus Martin at center. And he's called he's called them one of the five best offensive linemen we've got. I've watched the line closely in every game last year and thought he was less than stunning at guard and seemingly regressed substantially. I know Khalil clearly hit a lot of deficiencies as evidenced by the poor overall offensive line performance in 2012 versus 2011. And Marcus got benched numerous times last year in favor of Abe and Max because of his poor play. You've all been reporting just how great Jordan Simmons has played so far. Why not try him at left guard, keep Turek at center, and put Marcus back on the bench? Ooh, so Kevin in South OC, not real high on uh, Marcus Martin. What are your thoughts? Well, uh, you know, I really don't work with the offensive line that much to know who fits where the best. All I know is one thing. Whoever's going to be somewhere, keep them there. You've got six practices yet left, and you've got to have a unit. And you've this guy, these unit guys have got to play together and gain confidence in each other and make calls in the spring and get to be the cardinal unit or the gold unit, whatever your first unit's called. And it's their unit, and if they mess it up, they go down and someone steps up forward. Marcus at times uh, uh, had good blocks, and then he had some times when uh, it was uh, a little shaky, but he's still a young player. And uh, offensive center is, is something he feels natural at. Obviously, they've moved him there. He's a big guy. And, you know, they play a lot of 50 defenses. And you certainly don't want to have nose guards drive you back into the backfield, as last year that happened many times, uh, where the offensive center was in as deep as the tailback uh, on a couple of goal line plays, which is not all the center's fault. It's because of you know, the, not getting the reps of blocking goal line defenses and understanding the techniques and staying low and wedge blocking, doing different things. So I, I think that uh, we'll have to wait and see. I don't know. Turk's uh, the awful tall for a guard, but he's an athlete. You've got to be able to pull, and if they're going to do some pulling and lead from the backside, I watched him pull through a couple of times pretty good. It's fine, but you've got to have people who are tough uh, that can drive people off the line of scrimmage that are smart and don't miss blocks and are aggressive. You've got to be aggressive to be an offensive lineman. You can't be passive. You've got to be, you know, playing with scars on your eye, uh, arms. And, and uh, when you play on turf, don't wear, don't wear elbow guards. Get a little blood on them. <laughs> You know, these type of players, I think you've got you to gotta spirit it up. Now, I think Andre Walker has all the talent in the world, but he's got to turn up the volume, okay? He's got to turn it up. He's got to turn it up. Uh, and, uh, and not being critical on a young man, but I'm telling the young man, you have all the potential in the world to play in the NFL forever. But unless you turn it up, you're a coaster. You're a coaster. You only do what's necessary to do. When you run a lap, as you jump offside, you might as well not run it because you don't you don't give that effort like you really feel bad that you jumped offside and hurt the team when you sprint that lap and you don't miss a play and you get back in the huddle and, and you're ready to go, but you didn't miss a play. So the guy that was playing there that replaced you can't replace you, but you're already back. Or maybe one play you missed. Uh, if you're going to run a lap, run a lap. Don't walk it or crawl it. <laughs> uh, I mean, and don't get me wrong, but don't do these things unless 
I look at that to see how much the kid wants to play or any kid wants to play. Is it a punishment or is it a, is it just get him out of my sight? Well, if it's get him out of my sight, send him back, have the manager go to the locker room, have him shower and send him home. Maybe he'll learn more that way. And he, then, then to miss plays. This is just me. Okay. Uh, at one time, I remember I had a sandbox on the football field. This humiliated people more than anybody. When a guy couldn't give me the effort, I called him a child. So I sent him down and made him play with toys in a sandbox. <laughs> and when people come, they'd say, what is he doing? And he was in a sandbox sitting down there playing with little toys. <laughs> now, that's, if you don't want to play football, go down there and be like a child. Otherwise, when you're out here, be like a man and uh, get it done. Now, I didn't do that all the time. And today I'd probably get fired for doing that, okay? Because it's belittling somebody. But you got to get the message across to these young people that every play is a huge play. Every play could make the difference in a football game or a national championship. So if you have a punishment, make it be a punishment. Don't make it be a joke. That's all I can say on that. And I think one thing on Marcus Martin I just want to share that uh, I mean he he's worked really hard this off season and I think he's become more of a leader. You forget that he was starting as a 17 year old true freshman. You know he's come a long way in the last couple of years and I think he's doing a good job there at center. He they didn't start him at center, but he showed Lane Kiffin and staff what he could do there. I I think if I had to guess going forward, he's going to be the guy there. So I, I think you're going to see a little bit different of a Marcus Martin. I think the question was a little harsh towards him. Um, but I, I think he's going to do a good job there. And we'll see. I mean, they're still working out some of the kinks and stuff, but I don't think you'll be disappointed seeing him. And I do think he's one of the top five offensive linemen they have right now. I'll agree with you on that. And Jordan Simmons, he mentioned his name. I think he's going to be a great player down the road. He's a redshirt freshman. I think he's got all the potential. He's just coming along. He's just learning. So, you know, give a kid time. And uh, the thing is, I want to watch people who are trying hard. I want to watch people who are where it means a difference to them if they jump off sides or they miss a block. Or I want to see somebody that has that pain in their in them when they do something wrong, and uh, that's that's what I'm looking for as a coach. All right, we got one last question, Coach. It's from Christopher. He said I'm honored and excited to ask my first question on the Peristyle Podcast. Well, thank you very much, Christopher. I'm sorry it's going to be the last question, but we're really glad you got one in. He said, my question is for Harvey Hyde regarding the linebacker position between Anthony Sorrow and Lamar Dawson playing alongside Hayes Pillard. I've read nothing but good news about both of these players over the first two weeks of spring practice and was wondering if either may have led for the starting spot at this point. Uh, he says, also, while the position battle may be overlooked with the quarterbacks and secondary making a little more news, I believe that if either Sorrow or Dawson continue to play this well, USC could be in for one of their best years of linebacker play. has been a very long time, regardless of who starts. Thanks. That's from Christopher. Well, Christopher, I'll put it to you this way. I think the 50 defense, which they're running, fits their personnel a lot better than the 40 defense, okay? I think that... Uh, there was a lot of thinking going on at the middle linebacker position. Too much thinking and not playing football. Uh, the schemes were not or did not fit the linebackers that SC had. They haven't had a great middle linebacker for a long period of time. I think the 50 defense is an easier defense for a linebacker to play. I think also the personnel that they have at USC currently right now really is a good fit for their their defense. Uh, I like uh, their defensive ends and Kennard and Breslin. I like their backups. I like their inside linebacker and Hayes and, and Dawson and Serrano and, and uh, the others that they have there. Are the, they're starting to play uh, with confidence and understanding of the game. They like to stunt. They like to go after people. They can be more aggressive. They play quicker. Uh, I think the defensive front with Woods, and and I think uh, uh, oh, Leonard Williams just impresses me so much. What a what a great player he's going to be. 
Uh, it's unbelievable that a defensive tackle, that just fits him so well. And George Uko, that position just fits him so good, playing outside there on the tackle and moving down head up and doing different things with him. I think the front seven is going to really have a lot of fun. Now, that's why I bring up the question is, is if they get the secondary straight in a way, they'll be pretty good defensively. So Dawson or Serrano or, or, or Hayes Pollard, uh, I don't know who's ahead. I, I would say they are, they're giving a lot of praise. They're saying Dawson is having a great spring, so I have to go along with what they're saying because I don't see every film. I don't watch the tapes. I don't know. But, uh, but I think they'll have a good combination in there, and uh, I think they're going to have a lot more fun playing this type of defense than they have in the past. So that's why I feel with that. I agree with you 100%, Coach. I, Scheme-wise, I, I mean, I, don't, I know coaching is a big deal in college football. Schemes are a big deal, but it just seems like the players that they have and the attitude that they have just fits this scheme better. And I expect this defense to play a lot better in 2013 than it did in 2012. I, mean, I, I don't know, just just from watching, it just seems like they're getting it a little bit better. They're playing faster overall. Say A lot of the same guys out there, but they seem to be a little more determined. They seem to be a little more sure of themselves. And I think once you play faster on the field, it's just gonna the results will be so much better. I agree with you. And I want to give uh, some of that credit to the linebacker coach, the new coach from Indiana. I watch him closely. He coaches every play. I like that, and not only is he coaching on the field, he's coaching on the sideline. He moves around a lot. He's talking to the players continuously. I think that's very, very important for all coaches to do, and they do that on uh, all phases of uh, right now on both offensively and the defensive side of the football. I like Robinson, the offensive running coach, back coach. I think he's a go-getter, and he wants to kick your butt and get that extra yard. I, I, I like T. Martin. I, I like everything happening right now. Clay Helton, I think, has done a great job as far as with the quarterbacks and calling the play. And right now I like uh, seeing Kiffin's kids at practice, running around and having fun on the sideline. I even saw, I don't know his wife's first name, but Mrs. Kiffin running some passing routes with the kids on Saturday. So that's good to see. It's good to see a, a more relieved type of uh, pressure out there. And uh, and uh, if everything works out, and, and, you know, everybody's worried about everybody getting hurt, getting hurt, getting hurt. What did I tell you earlier? The way you learn to play football is you play football. You don't pretend like you're playing football. And all of a sudden, the body becomes accustomed to hitting, and the body becomes less resistant. You don't get injured because a bruise is something that you have all the time on your body. It's not something that goes away, but you're going to get bruised again the next day and your body gets uh, uh, gets used to it. And all of a sudden, uh, you become a tougher football player and hard-nosed type of kid. And I think they like this spring. If you're a football player, you like this type of spring practice. You do. You like to hit. You want to play the game. You don't want to talk about the game. It's boring when you walk through things. So I think this will make make them a better football play, uh, player, but a better football team. Just got to get a few areas, straighten away, and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Well, Coach, thanks again so much. It's been a great run, and uh, it's hard to say goodbye, but it's uh, five great years, and we've had a lot of fun. We'll, we'll put an update on what your status is on uscfootball.com once you make a, a public announcement and all that. But thanks right. again. You'll so probably much. be able to do that next week. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Coach, and uh, it's been great, and uh, I'm sure we'll we'll see you down the road here real soon. Right. I want to thank Southern California Ticket Service. I was over there Saturday telling them about the deal, and a lot of people were coming and getting their Dodger tickets for opening day today and everything else, and uh, and he wished me good luck, too. And uh, it's just, uh, you know, it, it's just uh, an opportunity that's, that you got to do, you know? Yeah, so I I'm going to do it. All right. Well, thanks, Coach, and thanks to Southern California Tickets, SCTickets.com. We're going to talk some more USC football, spring football, the scrimmage with Dan Weber coming up in 30 seconds. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. 
Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. We're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. We could not go out of this show and end the show without having our resident beat writer, USCFootball.com's only Dan Weber. What's up, Dan? How you doing? Hi, doing good. Doing good. Kind of sad, but oh well. Had to happen, I guess, sometime. Yeah, I mean, it's been a good run, and uh, five years doing the show, I think it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. But we do have a lot to get to. We want to make this an action-packed show, information-packed show for all the uh, listeners out there because there was uh, practice number nine, uh, another scrimmage in the Coliseum, got to see uh, all the quarterbacks throw. I just want to kind of get your initial thoughts on what went on in the scrimmage on Saturday. Well, I mean, I, I like – uh, better than the 52 plays. I think I like the, uh, the whole combination Oklahoma drill that, you know, they really got the, you know, the uh, offense and the defense going. They did a lot of you know, good hitting. The kids loved it. I mean, they could not have endured it anymore. Um, I do like the way the kids are, you know, taken to that kind of a thing. And I like the way the coaches are figuring things out. You know, what can we do to I think that gives you the ability to do a lot of, you know, contact, a lot of physical stuff, and you're not taking quite as much, you know, uh, you know, of a of a chance or a risk of injury, which they didn't seem to get anybody hurt with all the hitting, and uh, it's a more uh, more of a controlled, you know, situation, and right at the 50 yard line, going across the field, and you know, the offense on the on on one side, the defense on the other, and the kids are just going crazy. That was as much fun, as much noise, as much, you know, hitting as we've seen. And as Lane said, you know, they had to go back uh, more than three years to come up with, uh, you know, the last time they did it. Uh, So, uh, you know, I like what they're doing, the way they're they're getting in, you know, uh, plenty of uh, physicality, plenty of contact. Uh, but without taking any crazy chances, and and so uh, and you know they did it with 17 guys were not you know able to go uh, Saturday, and yet they're not backing off. They're not saying, oh, well we better we better watch what we're doing, or maybe better take it easy or whatever. And that you know got them into trouble in the fall. And I think they really learned that lesson. So that that for me is is a real positive. Yeah, I mean, it was certainly that was the most fun I've seen them have at practice in a while. The players just really got into that drill, and it was funny to hear Lane Kiffin talking about they hadn't run it since it was his first year. And just when he said they went back and watched the film from that first year, he's like, not only all the players that were different, but so many different coaches and stuff too. It's it was just kind of an interesting kind of walk down memory lane. It wasn't it wasn't really that long ago, but the team is so different from then to now. Yeah, he was mentioning uh, Jarvis Jones. He said when they looked at the film, they saw Jarvis Jones and um, uh, Malik Jackson and uh, Armand Armstead and all <laughs> those guys. So, uh, so they went back, and uh, it's interesting is they went back and found you know uh, found that uh, the last time they did it, showed it to the kids and said, you know, this is what we're going to do. And I guess they you know they went nuts. They thought that was great. So uh, I just think. These are just little things, but I think they mean a lot. And I do think that's, you know, they know. I think Lane knows, you know, they they know where they got off track last year and, and that, you know, trying to conserve the roster and and uh, play safe. It's just, unfortunately, you can't do that. It's football. And, uh, you know, if you, uh, you try that, in effect, you know, you basically guarantee that uh, – that, you know, the team is going to suffer. Whether you get any injuries or not, you're still going to suffer just by, uh, you know, slowing the game. You know, you want – we were talking to Cody Kessler afterwards, and he talked about how the game slows down. You want it to be able to slow down for your quarterbacks as they speed up what they're doing. But you don't want to slow the whole game down for your players, in, right. in effect, by slowing down practice. Uh, and that, 
that really what is what happened. And it was very hard for that team in the fall to get up to speed because they basically had slowed, you know, practice down, uh, you know, so much. So, uh, you know, I just think they, they've approached the spring, I think, in as good a way as you possibly could, um, even with, the, you know, with the numbers and all of that. I mean, they've, they still had a really decent two deep uh, rotation and, you know, a first and second offense, first and second defense. You know, you don't have a, don't have much of a, you know, a third team, but who needs it? You know, <laughs> nobody plays the third team anyway. So, and they've been, you know, fortunate. Okay, so they've got two tailbacks. You know, they held out. They probably could have played DJ Morgan, you know, Saturday, but, but they didn't. I mean, they're only, I guess right now they're down to, you know, one fullback with, uh, you know, Soma uh, Vanuku out for the rest of the fall, you know, rest of the spring. And they moved Simi Viakiti uh, out there uh, to give you something of a backup. But it, that's the only position where they're, they're all the way down, you know, you know, to one Jaleel uh, Pitter is the only uh, the only fullback. But that's not like at every every down position either. Right. Uh, but otherwise, they're just going with it and saying, uh, you know, the guys that are here and are ready and are healthy are going to get a whole lot of work, and they are. Uh, well, let's jump into some of these questions, Dan. We do have a voicemail question for you, so I'm going to play that one first. Here you go. This is Rich from Toluca Lake. Uh, I have a comment and then a question. My comment is I do not understand how SC can raise season ticket prices 15% and then have no parking on campus this year. Maybe I'm just letting off steam. I've been a season ticket holder for about 30 years. My question is for Dan Weber. I'm wondering with all the turmoil that has gone on this year between the football programs, basketball programs, and baseball, have you ever seen a year like it? And who do you hold responsible? Do you hold Mike Garrett or Pat Hayden or equally? Um, I've been following football since 56, and I've never seen a year like this. So, Dan, if you can answer that question. I'd appreciate it, and uh, let me know your comments about uh, raising the ticket prices if you can. I'm just letting off steam. Thanks a lot. Enjoy the program immensely. Bye. Um, interesting. Yeah, uh, ticket prices going up. Uh, I will say this, uh, and I think we had it in the war room a couple of weeks ago. USC actually, uh, I guess, they had the largest increase in the country in terms of uh, attendance last year at home. Uh, uh, over 10,000 a game, and um, I think beat out UCLA actually as the uh, the one two uh, with uh, of the teams in the country that had the biggest uh, increase in attendance. So uh, uh, I don't. That's a good. I don't know. I mean, I you do you know think wow everything goes up and the price is at 15 percent and. Uh, the cutting back of, of parking on campus, and I, I don't know all the details about that, but I've you know I've heard about the cutbacks on the on the campus parking. Uh, I know I, I don't. I mean, I'm I'm just thinking about uh, what happened with uh, the story on uh, Steve Alford, uh, who signed with UCLA on Saturday morning, uh, negotiated with him on Friday after his press conference for his new 10-year contract at New Mexico on Thursday, at which the athletic director, we understand, talked about, don't worry about the the money, uh, New Mexico fans, don't worry about the money uh, that's going to, you know, uh, take the, you know, pay Coach Alfred's uh, salary, because we're going to raise the ticket prices and the concession prices, and that's how it's going to be paid for. And I guess the the word we get is that Alfred got really unhappy that they uh, put the season ticket uh, increase on the fact that he was going to be, uh, you know, getting a rent and didn't like that at all. And that kind of inspired his call to UCLA. So, you know, I can understand how people might, you know, might not like that. I'm not sure, you know, when you're getting, you know, more money for, um, you know, for the TV rights and things like that. I don't know. I um, I can understand. You know, we are very lucky with, uh, you know, media passes and all that, so we end up finding ourselves not thinking about that part of it. But, uh, 
you know, I could, you know, I could, I could certainly sympathize, uh, uh, sympathize with you on that. As to who to, which way to look uh, when you're having the kind of problems USC was having in football, both basketball, men's and women's, and baseball, man, there's enough. There's enough finger pointing to go around for you know a couple of hands worth of fingers uh, uh, on uh, on where USC is right now. I was just watching as a guy who grew up in Northern Kentucky. I was watching both uh, Louisville teams yesterday get to the Final Four, and the, the Louisville women upset uh, Baylor, number one. You know, having lost and you know the defending national champions. And the kid, I know the family of Jeff Walls is the coach at Louisville, uh, Northern Kentucky kid. Uh, and I'm thinking, look at Louisville's program. At two teams on the same day, going to the Final Four, they won the Sugar Bowl in football. I mean, you talk about an overachieving program when you really think about it. Um, and uh, I, I do think you can look around and say, and I wish we, you know, wish USC had the ability to kind of get some things done the way, you know, a school like Louisville is doing. I mean, here they are struggling to find what conference they belong to. You know, their their conference basically, you know, just left and, uh, you know, moved on to the Big East. And uh, they're still, you know, they're going to be going to the, you know, ACC in a couple of years, but uh, they're kind of, you know, in, in no man's land a little bit, and here they are, you know, just performing like crazy. So, uh, you know, whether you, you, you know, how you want to allocate the blame at USC, um, you know, there's some underachieving going on, uh, I think, without a doubt, and uh, it's time to get, get, you know, USC to get, get its act back together. I mean, they talk about the Olympic sports and all that, but well, you already mentioned, Dan, the, the major sports that are out there, football, baseball, basketball, both men's and women's, like the, the you know, any sports that could actually bring in some money, those are the ones that are struggling. Man, I would, I would, uh, we were looking around at, you know, yeah, who would you hire? And in, 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 in women's basketball, I said, I, you know, I'd take a look at this Jeff Walsh kid. I mean, he's, this is his second Final Four. Uh, at Louisville, and this is not a program that had a tradition, uh, you know, in, in women's basketball, certainly not like USC had. Uh, they look at their football program, and uh, they've really done some, you know, they've done some great things. And I was, we were kidding about, I would offer Rick Petito uh, and his son Richard a 10-year contract between them, and Rick could come for the first five years, and then he could give the job to uh, his son Richard, who's now the coach at I think Florida Atlantic. Uh, but he could he could have Richard take it over when he retires. It might not have ever been ha- had happened before in college basketball, but uh, you know I know people say you know it's hard to have a guy come in and you know start over and 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 cast the same um, um, you know the same thing over again. But I was at Kentucky, covering Kentucky, when Rick Pitino came in the first time. And then he came back from the NBA and came back to Louisville, virtually the same kind of a situation, and he's done it again, you know. I mean, there are some people who are just, you know, the right guy, the right hire, and they just get it done. And, uh, you know, especially in basketball nowadays, you know, when the players change, and can change in you know one year and one and done. Um, the one thing you have going for you in, in college basketball is the right coach, and uh, you really it's such a coach's game now in college basketball. Football, maybe uh, you got to have the right guy, but football is still dependent on other things besides just the coach. Uh, the coach is as important as it can be, but. Uh, in basketball, you can really be good based on the coach almost alone, whereas um, in, in college football, there's got to be a lot of other things that, that go into it, history and tradition and fan base and location and all of that. Really, really football takes so many things to be right. Uh, but USC obviously has, 
is everything you, you know that you need you know to be right. And this has got to be a year where U.S. has got to get a lot of things right in in a lot of sports. And uh, you know that that I think it's too late now to be blaming. Uh, probably too late to be blaming George Bush for what's going on in the economy. And it's probably too late to be blaming Mike Garrett anymore. To uh, to reference uh, our last question. Um, all right, well, let's let's move on to some actual stuff that's going on in spring football. Uh, Benfect wanted to know, he says, Dan, I can't seem to get a concise explanation of the variables in choosing the starter. And he's talking about a quarterback. He said, let's try the negative approach. What do you sacrifice if you start Kessler? And what kind of desirable plays or outcomes has he not shown thus far? Same thing with Wittick. And he says, and am I correct that with Brown, it depends on how much he can absorb practice and rehearse on his own subsequent to spring practice in order to sort of catch up by fall camp. So he wants to know what you think about the quarterbacks. Well, I think, uh, my, I think it was, um, you know, accuracy and uh, timing and um, um, kind of decision-making, and which also would include the whole the huddle presence and what have you, but um, got it, kind of gotten away from that arm strength thing. Uh, uh, so you know, right now, Whitted could throw it the farthest, uh, you know, on the hardest. Uh, Brown might might be the, you know, has thrown some just absolutely beautiful deep balls, uh, timing wise, and yet uh, you know Kessler, in a way, just because of of uh you know setting things up and you know had the you know had the long ball uh, saturday so uh so what would what would would you have with with kester uh you know you might not have the you know the guy that could throw that forty five yard uh, bullet over the you know deep middle uh on a play where uh you know you had to throw the ball through two guys uh but you know, I, I don't. I don't think. Uh, you know, I don't think you're going to look at it in terms of uh, what wouldn't we have. I think you're going to look at it in terms of what do we have with this this guy out there. And um, you know, he's uh, he just makes plays uh, right now. Uh, he he got his chance, and uh, boy, he jumped in there. And uh, I think they're you know they're really they're really pleased. And you know, I do think um, uh, Max Brown. You know, he uh, he. I don't think his uh, getting up to speed on the playbook or the huddle or or any of that uh, is, is the issue with with Max. He's just really, really, uh, you know, developed. He's he's got all kinds of respect for what he knows and how he handles himself, and he doesn't. In any way, look like he should still be here in his last uh, semester in high school. Uh, you know, just a little, you know, kind of physical maturity, that kind of thing, um, you know, with him. And, 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 and probably for Max Wittick, this is the kind of challenge where he's probably, you know, behind the eight ball a little bit after, you know, having a couple of weeks, uh, you know, missed on a kind of a freak, uh, you know, getting rolled up on his knee with, uh, you know, holding as a, as a backup holder. So, uh, I think, you know, it's a good test in a way, you know, for him, how does he handle the pressure? Cause, uh, you know, Cody certainly is, uh, keeping the pressure on with, with the way he's playing, uh, with his opportunity here. So kind of, I guess, you know, kind of a flip flipping the coin of, uh, you know, Max got his opportunity. Max Wittick got his opportunity in the fall. And now, um, you know, Cody's getting his. And I think in a lot of ways, it is giving everybody, uh, you know, a shot. And I think they're they're real conscious of that. And uh, uh, Max Brown didn't quite get as many, you know, opportunities. They uh, uh, threw a great, uh, you know, deep post. It was, you know, hit a receiver. and We won't identify him, but hit a receiver in the chest. And, you know, would have changed uh, – Brown's numbers significantly, uh, you know, Saturday. And I think Lane was very aware of that and mentioned that. Uh, but, uh, but I think they're doing it. I think they've done a really nice job. It probably got a break a little bit, uh, in one way that Kessler got a chance to really, uh, get a lot of reps. 
which kind of brought him up to speed. Uh, you know, it was too bad, you know, for Max Wittick. But uh, I think um, the decision on quarterbacks will be who can do, what can they do for us and who can do it, as opposed to looking at it, you know, from the negative point of view. I think, you know, the, uh, the ability to get the ball where you want it on time, uh, how you handle the, the whole huddle and uh, all the game prep stuff. And, you know, then the X factor, I think, is going to be the thing that really hurt USC in the fall is all those turnovers, uh, the 34 turnovers. Uh, only three teams in the country had more turnovers, and uh, that just killed USC. I mean, with all the yards they gained, it didn't seem like it. And, and, and they, you know, had to play a lot more defense than you would like because they just couldn't hold on to the ball. And uh, I think, you know, the guy out there that they're going to go with will be the guy that they also think, you know, isn't going to turn the ball over. Um, we have one other question on quarterbacks before we move on to other subjects. And this is actually from Twitter. It's at JHNDZ. His question for the podcast was, does Max Wittick wear uh, number 13 for Todd Morenovich? I'm not sure if you know that one, Dan, but I thought, Thought we'd ask. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't. I don't. Not sure if he was talking about that one day or not. I'm trying to remember if that. What the connection? I'll ask him about that. That's a good. That's a good question to ask. I, I'm not sure if that's come up or not. And I'm trying to think. I I remember seeing him in modern day, and I can't remember what number he wore in modern day. Uh, but um, yeah, I don't remember either. To him about like. Yeah, we've talked about all the way back to his uh, peewee football days in Connecticut with uh, with Silas Red, but uh, I'm trying to remember if the uh, I don't know that the number ever came up and, and why, but I'll uh, I'll ask. That's a, that's, a, that's especially when it's number thirteen. That's a worthwhile that's a worthwhile question. Yeah, I mean, that, you know they had that Moretovich special not that long ago and stuff. Um, with him changing his life, getting his life back together. So that would be an interesting one. We'll find out. We'll have to post it on uscfootball.com, and you can check it out there. Uh, this one's from JJB. He says, uh, best show in the world on SC football. Keep up the good work. Uh, the Trojans are looking for graduate assistance, especially on defense. Is Sammy Knight available? And uh, I think they've – I don't know if they've hired everyone yet, but it seems like they have. They just haven't announced it. Maybe we can give an update on the graduate assistance. Well – we're not sure if uh, I guess the one question we've got is uh, is Frankie Telford who is out there working with the uh, he's still a student assistant still uh, I think uh, the plan is for him to graduate in kinesiology and uh, I guess before they can hire you or really officially name you and all that you have to be accepted to graduate school so uh, so I guess it was Kyle Williams I guess why do I uh, from uh, Kansas State has come in, and he will be uh, um, uh, a defensive back. And joining Ross Cumming, who I think is, is working both uh, uh, with the linebackers and special teams. Lane has said it is they're going to have you know three uh, graduate assistants for the you know for defense and one for special teams and none for the offense because they've got the six assistants who are really you know, focusing on offense to three uh, full-time assistants who are on uh, on defense. So uh, I think there's still one to go, and I don't know if, 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 for example, as Frankie said, he would he still would like to be considered for the grad assistant job. And if he would come in, would that mean that Ross then is the uh, is the um, special teams GA and and you have a linebacker GA uh, with Frankie, because Frankie is working with uh, Mike Eckler with the uh, with the linebackers every day. So, so I think that's still to be determined that very last position on uh, on on uh, on the grant assistance. Uh, they're allowed four instead of the two until until last year. You were only allowed two, and now you're allowed four. So, that is something to keep an eye on. But I know. Uh, and I, I absolutely, it won't be Sammy Knight. Uh, he was a, you know, very fortunate that they were able to have a, 
a graduate assistant that was capable of doing what Sammy Knight was capable of doing with his experience level and all of that. But uh, they were not going to be that lucky uh, again. And they can't, once they've, um, uh, there's a limit. They can only do it for two years. Um, and actually, I don't know if um, if Sammy would actually have any time left. Not that that's even a possibility. Right, but, yeah. Uh, I think he might yeah, have one year yeah, left. But yeah, I agree with you. I don't think that's going to. I wouldn't expect that one. <laughs> that would not happen, no. But um, but if you could find a Sammy Knight type, or if uh, you know the new guy is uh, is similar, that would be uh, that would be a very a very nice break. Um, let's do one last one, Dan. This is from Martin in Ontario. He says, "Is it possible with the number of secondary players USC has and the new scheme uh, defense that Pendergrass has put in?" Could we see a 5-6 defensive scheme instead of a nickel package against spread passing teams like Washington State? He said if Pendergrass did use a 5-6 package, which players do you think would play in this package and would benefit the most from it? And he lists guys like Josh Shaw, Gerald Bowman, uh, Sue L. Cravens, Dion Bailey, Demetrius Wright, Liam McQuay, Ryan Dillard, Torn Harris. Uh, Anthony Brown, Ryan Henderson, Davion Shelton, and Kevon Seymour. Basically, I guess he's listing the whole secondary. Uh, that's yeah. Martin in Ontario. Well, I, yeah, I do think you're going to see a lot of the of Sue Cravens. I mean, I think they're going to figure out a way to get him on the field, and, and very often that will be in the nickel package. Uh, whether they go, you know, to the, uh, you know, above that in terms of, of one more uh, guy in the field, I don't know. I think uh I think Clancy is not, you know, opposed to uh, doing things like that, you know, to fit the situation. Uh, but, but I do think, uh, you know, when they, uh, you know, bring Sewer in and uh, the nose tackle goes out, uh, I think you'll, I think you'll see a lot of that. Uh, I, I really do. Uh, how that's going to break down in terms of, of the secondary. I mean. If um, if you have Dion Bailey at safety, where we you know he thinks he's going and we think he's going, uh, that puts a kind of a hybrid you know safety in there, and you've got you know Sua who's sort of a hybrid you know safety, who they're going to you know certainly play up in the box sometimes and, and all of that. So I think you're going to see that kind of thing. You know whether where the numbers you know break down, you know I'm not really sure, but. Uh, but I, I, yeah, I think uh, I think you know the, the 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 more in a way it's more simple, but I think it'll give them the ability to do more things and and to give more looks and to be more uh, able to be just set up exactly for uh, you know a particular team that you're playing. So uh, I, I mean I do like the fact that the idea with the 52 as the base is that it gets you instead of a you know the four man front a five man front you hit it widens it out you've got five guys up there and you've got two pretty big athletic uh ends slash linebackers however you want to call them uh and they talk about how that's gonna that allows you to kind of set the edge a little wider and yet you're not giving up anything inside those guys even though that they're playing wider and uh, so uh, I, I think you're going to get used to just seeing people doing different things. You're probably going to see, you know, linebackers, uh, you know, coming more often than, than you, you ever have. And when Sue is in there, you're not going to be sure where he's going to line up. Uh, you know, so, um, um, uh, uh, you know, I don't think your idea is, you know, is a crazy one. Whether though. um there are numbers with the defensive backs, uh, whether you have the proven ability all the way through to, um, to make plays is going to be the key. I mean, I think the you know, safeties are going to be pretty solid, whether you get the kind of cornerbacks, uh, that can, you know, get, you know, get isolated, go one-on-one, make the tackle in the open field, not get beat deep, uh, all of that. Uh, I think that's the, you know, the thing that's happening right now. And, and so how well, uh, especially those corners do, I think is going to determine on, you know, some of the, you know, how they're going to line up in, in some situations. You know, you're, you, 
I mean, right now, for example, if they're really pleased with the three linebackers, they get three linebackers for the two uh, two spots. So, you know, they're 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 very pleased there. At cornerback, you're very very kind of right now a little bit worried as to you know it's a different way of playing you know the game and playing the ball and that stuff that they haven't been doing with these kids. And uh, you know you either got guys that have never played that way, or you got guys that are brand new uh, at corner. So I think it will be interesting to see how does how does that play out. And I don't think we know right now at all. Uh, and we probably don't know, you know, where does it, where do you know Leon McQuay and 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 Josh Shaw completely end up in terms of you know cornerback or safety. I don't think we know that one either. So keep your eye on it because uh, we will. Because uh, you know, I mean, that's one of the things you notice with the, the offense. Cody Kessler has got his eye on uh, you know setting up one on one when he gets one on one with Nelson Aguilar with the corner. You know, his his feeling is we're good to go now. This is uh, uh, and uh, so I think those corners are going to have to learn to you know. When I'm one-on-one, I'm in uh, press coverage with, uh, you know, Nelson Aguilar or, or Marquis Lee or, or George, you know, Farmer. When they send him on a go route, you really gotta, you know, you gotta, you can't slip, you can't fall down, you can't, you know, you know, go for, you know, one move and then, uh, you know, they come back with, a, you know, another and, and beat you deep. It's great for the offense to see him doing that, and, you know, that's great learning experience for the corners. But they got to pick up on it, and uh, we'll see how that goes. All right, Dan. Well, thanks again so much, and uh, it's hard to believe end of an era of five years, but it's been great having you on the show these last few years. And uh, definitely, I mean, you're not going away. You'll still be on uscfootball.com. Just check it out there. And uh, thanks again so much for coming on. Well, I always enjoy it. There's nothing like uh, doing, uh, you know, the April uh, – the April first show is always a great thrill, so uh, we're, we couldn't be happier, and uh, we'll catch you all down the road. Somewhere. All right, thanks again, Dan, and everyone else. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. You can check out more stuff on USC football from spring practice, of course, at uscfootball.com. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.